Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today, we've got a very special episode. We are bringing on an edtech company, in particular, the creator of a very interesting edtech company, all based around reading and literacy. So I'm super excited, and they're going to tell their story. They're going to tell you guys what their company is all about, what they do, and how it can be used to help your child if he or she is struggling with reading or just wants to improve with reading. So without further ado, I would like to introduce the creator of Mayon, that's M-Y-O-N, of Mayon, and his name is Todd Breckis. Todd, how's it going? Hey, Josefa, I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, uh, setting this up, and I'm excited to talk to your audience. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. And I really appreciate it. I know you got a busy schedule, so this is this is really great for me. So Todd, before we do anything, can you just start and tell us what is Mayan? Uh, Mayan is, uh, by brand, it's simply putting two words together. My, uh, which is really uh, uh, the simplest pronoun for personalized, and on, which is short for online. And it's about reading, and it's about unlimited reading. So Mayan is a all-you-can-read platform for kids to read up to, we have over 13,000 books personalized by their interests, by their reading levels, and utilized by over 10,000 schools uh, throughout the world. And we're, um, we're growing fast, and we're excited to provide unlimited reading opportunities for kids in schools. Our business model is pretty simple. If you can unleash the books inside of what has been a traditional library, uh, what would happen if kids could get that in an unlimited fashion, uh, really personalized for them, but that if they like sports, if they like cars, if they like things that are uh, uh, science-oriented or social studies or history-related, uh, they can get the right and perfect books just for them. But more importantly, it's also connecting them to the curricular and content areas that their school is really focused on. So we've really created this virtual library that has assessments and measurements and creates an unlimited reading opportunity to solve the one basic problem, which is getting kids to read more and be more excited about reading uh, while they're reading more. So I got a couple questions. The first question is when kids now have a little bit more flexibility through your program to choose these various resources that actually do pique their interest, which is a huge problem, I think, when you have standardized curriculum, is it, does that flexibility then fit into, like, is there a flexible curriculum now that allows for students to say, well, hey, you don't have to read this particular book and write a report or have a discussion. You can have individualized selections like is there a way that that all fits together it sure does and so i think by background you should know i'm, a, I'm an educator I, and i started my career 
and actually one of my first jobs in high school as an educator, uh, thinking about technology integration in schools. I was an English teacher, technology coordinator, and I, I spent my time with middle schoolers who were uh, dying to learn more, but, um, you know, they were also competing with other interests uh, like video games and, and electronics. Not as much social media back then when I was teaching, but uh, obviously I have four kids as well, so I'm, I'm a parent. So when creating Mayon, I landed myself in a publishing company that said, look, we've got to flip and transform the way learning is done and the way literacy is done. We've been selling books, a company called Capstone. We've been selling books to school libraries and to classroom libraries for years, but there must be something more. Can you help us build something? And so I I had the idea, uh, along with my great team, that said, what if we could capture, at that time they had thousands of books, what if we could digitize them, record audio, find text highlighting tools, creation tools, and put this in a digital library, and at the same time, inflect that ability for the teacher to connect with the text and the student as well. So not only did we want to build a student-centered, personalized literacy environment, we also wanted to build this great ecosystem for teachers to assign and create really cool uh, units of content around our around the books that are in Maya. 70% of our books are nonfiction, so we have some really dynamic uh, lesson plans and activities that teachers have built from the assets of the books. So back to your original question, which is, what's this, I, I, my sense of your question is, what's this balance between students doing their own thing and a balance between the teachers also directing and coordinating in classroom? And we've seen some incredible things happen, not only with student-centered learning, where students are making choice and, and decisions on their own about their learning and literacy experiences, which is critical for reading. That's what research shows, that if kids choose their books, they're going to read more. If they find interest, they're going to read more. It's pretty obvious. And then when they read more, they're going to get better readers. But also, if teachers can compose really dynamic and interesting lesson plans and activities and not be restricted by the number of books or the type of books that they can put in their lesson, new lessons can become very dynamic. And I'll give you one quick example, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop and see if you have a follow-up. And imagine you're teaching uh, a push-and-pull lesson to second graders on, on magnetism, and you're beginning the idea of what does, how does a magnet work and what, what, is the per, what is the concept of push-and-pull in physics and why is that a critical concept for us to learn. And traditionally, that's taught out of about two pages of a textbook. There may be some uh, little paperclip and magnetic examples, and the little second graders understand that concept. With Maya, we have over 40 books on magnetism from uh, biographies on people that have, that, that, that have invented things uh, around magnets, like Tesla uh, or, or other, uh, even how, how uh, Alexander Graham Bell uh, was an inventor around uh, aspects of this, on the simple examples of using push and pull and teaching push and pull. On uh, we even have Wild E. Coyote uh, falling off a cliff as he typically did in the Roadrunner series, and why that is a physics example. Isaac Newton's uh, uh, examples, uh, etc., from graphic novels to innovative uh, text. We've got over 40 titles that just deal with magnetism. So imagine that 
that wealth of a library that you can customize and personalize for a lesson plan just on that one simple concept. So that's how personalization can happen both in the teaching and on the learning side. That's a really great example. So I see that you have multiple ways or multiple angles as far as teaching one particular concept, and then that can be customized based on particular interests. That's really cool. And and that just makes me think of a, a follow-up question in terms of age range. You mentioned Wiley Coyote and some other uh, some other things. What is the target range or what a, what ages is this typically used for? Absolutely. So to answer the, the last question first, we're, we're mostly a K-8 platform, uh, but we've seen a, a strong growth in high schools uh, as we've expanded our publishing uh, uh, as our award-winning publishers have been signed up, we have over 60-plus publishers on our platform and uh, have added over uh, 10 publishers that publish for high school materials. Capstone was not an original high school publisher, so we utilized most of their content to begin our program, and that was K-8 content. So that's where we got our start. But we're really expanding into English language learners, high school, uh, and and special education as well. So our sweet spot is honestly that third through fifth grade where the curiosity and the desire from learning to read and, and reading to learn really transitions. Uh, that said, we see a lot of three-year-olds and four-year-olds all the way up to seniors in high school using our platform. Very cool. So I know that you mentioned on your website and in one of the promotional videos that I saw, which was excellent, by the way, and you mentioned the idea of one of the one of the main impetuses for building this is that you're moving forward with the digital age, that kids are engaged in things like iPads. And so why not let them access reading that way? And one of the other pieces that you mentioned is within this digital universe, you have tools that they can use. For example, everything is clickable. So you can look up words that they may not know just by simply clicking or highlighting. Can you tell us about all, all the different interactive tools that kids have available when they use Mayan that they don't have when they just read. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we launched the program in 2011, and, and at that time, uh, we, were, we were and we really still, still are the largest interactive book library. We launched then with 1,000 titles, and now with 13,000 titles, even looking at iTunes or looking at other places, um, we've been able to keep that volume of content at a, at, a, at, a, at a strong level so that schools have enough content to, to be similar to a library in their, in their existing schools. And the difference here is you, you, everyone has unlimited copies of every book. And that was our first innovation. And so first point is there's no check-in, no check-out. And so think about it. I'm, I remember being uh, a fifth grader walking down to the library, and it's Black History Month, and I've got to go check out a book, and I'm a sports fan. I, I want to read books uh, about uh, you know Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, uh, uh, obviously Jackie Robinson. Uh, but unfortunately, those books weren't available to me, and I, I was last in line. My first name starts with a T, so they alphabetized later. And, and I, I might have gotten Clara Barton or Harriet Tubman. Now, Clara and Harriet are amazing historical women, but as a young boy in fifth grade, I, I, I loved baseball. And I love boxing and, and sports, so I was uh, I didn't get that book. So the first innovation is unlimited check-in, check-out. The second is that we added audio for all books eighth grade and under. Uh, and audio, audio at some point gotten controversy, but the research has really shown 
that having uh, the scaffolds and the supports of audio and allowing teachers to turn that on or turn that off allows students to experience books that may not be at their perfect level right away because your listening skills develop earlier, and that's how you learn to read. You learn to read by listening. You learn to speak by listening. And so the listening skill is a really critical literacy skill, and in many ways we don't teach listening, uh, uh, but it's, it's a natural it's, it's a God-given way that we've, we've developed in terms of, of how uh, reading and speaking happens. So we've, we've incorporated audio into all of those books for our younger readers and allowed that scaffold. You mentioned the vocabulary connection. We had a, have an online dictionary where every word can be looked up. And then in addition to that, we have text highlighting, which highlights the word as well as the sentence as it's being read, which is great for uh, dyslexic learners as well as special ed- special education or ELs that are learning the language for the first time, and they can really repeat those sentences and take a look at that. We also have some speed controls to speed up and slow down the text. And then a couple years ago, we launched a whole set of basically uh, reading tools. And the reading tools, such as a text highlighter that they can highlight specific parts of sentences with multiple colored pens. Basically, every child can write in every their own copy of every book on our platform. They can annotate that. They can drop a post-it note. They can uh, use colored highlighters. They can have a journal, a notebook, etc. And uh, we're coming up with some other new innovations as well. And, and then recently, we've added writing activities and pre-writing activities, graphic organizers, uh, to all of that. So students can be Learning, deep diving, and, uh, and and discovering. We've got some interesting schools using things like Genius Hour, where they'll find a topic like miniaturization and, and learn about uh, technology miniaturization uh, and, and say, making things small. And then they'll present to their classmates for five minutes on that at the end of Genius Hour. So really fun ways to think about a, a, a digital library with lots of tools uh, and innovations. And then finally, I didn't, I didn't mention just one more thing is that the whole system is built on a, on a cloud-based platform that works online and offline. But what's important is there's data and metrics surrounding this platform. So time spent reading, number of books open, number of books read, types of books read, where you've taken notes, what you've taken notes on. So this analytical engine is, is, is undergirding this whole platform so that teachers and parents can know more about their student uh, reading engagement. And that's, I think, what, what, what parents and teachers and administrators really care about. How engaged are kids in their reading? And I think part of those analytics must relate to the Lexile levels. I know you mentioned Lexile levels uh, in your literature. Can you talk a little bit, can you explain to parents who may not know what Lexile r- relates to? Can you talk about that and also how that's tracked and monitored? Oh, absolutely. So Metametrics, the company that founded and built Lexile, is, a, is, a, is a, one of our initial partners that basically helped us build this platform and really conceive of a lot of these ideas. Uh, Dr. Jack Stenner and Dr. Malbert Smith are phenomenal uh, scientists and practitioners that understand basically that text is complex and it grows in complexity from the first books, ABC books you learn to read, all the way up to the college textbooks and graduate school textbooks that we've used. And that text complexity is more than just an algorithm or a technology, that it's based on not only um, the, the sentence length and the vocabulary, but also in the syntax and the way that the text is used. And they've created a proprietary format called the Lexile. Lexile basically grows 
from a beginning reader all the way up to a 2400L, which is a, a, a postgraduate level student. And that students at, say, 1200L can, or 1200 Lexile, can uh, basically uh, do, understand and, and take the ACT and the SAT. And so these type of metrics occur at different levels so we can create benchmarks for students to say, what is appropriate third grade reading? And if 650 to 800 is appropriate third grade reading, are those students reading at that level? And are they on target? So in many third grade classes, just like shoe sizes, you might have a size 3 and a size 11 in a third grade classroom uh, for shoe sizes. You also might have different learners reading at different reading levels. And that relating the reader to the text and that scale of text is basically what the magic of Lexiles is is that we can now relate those readers and show them what the best text is for their current reading level and also how to grow it. And so Mayan incorporates that Lexile framework by giving them a pre-assessment and an ongoing every two-week assessment of a cold read that they've never seen before and allows them to determine if they're growing their reading level. And then it projects where their reading level is going to be if they continue reading at this level and shows them growth. And so our initial slogan for mine was my choice, my books, my growth. The idea that choice drives reading and reading will drive growth. And that's what we continue to believe and see with my own. I have a few questions that are running around in my head. I'm going to try and, and uh, go sequentially here. So the first question that popped into my head is, is your platform mostly for schools to integrate or can individual students, let's say, who are working on a summer reading list, are they able to also purchase it and make use of it effectively? Yeah. So what we, our business model is 100% to schools at this point. We do have some homeschool networks, um, but we encourage parents to communicate with their schools that they might want to uh, have them sign up for Mayan. And Mayan can begin on summer trials and summer pilots, which we do all over the country, and that's, uh, that's going on right now. We've got uh, millions of kids reading this week uh, right on my end as we speak. And what we do is we work with the school administrators because the best way my end gets started, your question's kind of a two-part. One is how do, we, uh, how, do we, how do we work the business, and that is through schools. We have relationships with schools and districts to uh, allow students to get access, unlimited access to all of these books and all of these tools. And then they work with their parents to make sure that kids are using that and utilizing the tool. In terms of the, uh, the, the overall how kids use the program, it's as simple as having their personal reading list, just like you mentioned, their summer reading list. And what research has shown is that it's better to give kids a wide variety of books at their reading level than it is to just publish a very discreet and specific list. Now, I was an English teacher. I gave out specific books I wanted them to read, and we studied specific books uh, like The Hobbit from J.R.R. Tolkien or uh, like, uh, uh, obviously, Shakespeare. We, we did an early version of Hamlet. But at the same time, we tried to provide the desire for kids to read more. And sometimes when you have a forced list, that doesn't help with that desire and that passion because inevitably if somebody's assigning you just these books to read, it may not drive your interest in reading. So we're trying to do first, 
drive kids to be more interested in and engaged in reading. One, it's digital, there's audio, there's supports, uh, and they're really fun and engaging books uh, from fiction to nonfiction and K to 12, pre-K to 12. But at the same time, we also want that next stage of the development to be how can teachers teach with these books? And so creating dynamic lesson plans and activities where they may assign specific books to read and have direct lessons. We also have quizzes at the end of every book. And typically in a summer reading program, those are optional. Uh, but often the, the, uh, if there's an academic point, they want to know that those comprehension questions have been answered properly and the students do understand the content of that book. So it begins with student interest and self, self, self-learning, but it really culminates in a very rich uh, teacher uh, to parent, to school, to, to kids, and integrated curriculum surrounding digital books. It becomes a very dynamic and innovative environment for schools and districts. That makes a lot of sense. And you, you mentioned again the audio component of mine. I want to I jump back to that. So firstly, you mentioned that there's some controversy around that, and I'd, I'm very curious to know what is some of the controversy and why that is, because that does seem like a great idea. And then just a, a, a secondary, a corollary to that is that seems like a really difficult endeavor to integrate audio for all these books. I was just kind of curious how you guys tackled that problem or that, you know, how you guys did that. Well, it's difficult, but it's mostly expensive. Uh, we have human actors read every single book. We chose not to go text to speech. We didn't want to use a robot to read a book. We wanted um, uh, actors and actresses to read books. So that was that's the first point. And I wouldn't say controversy is quite the word. I think there's hesitancy or concern that if kids are listening to books, are they reading books? And and is is if my child has access to the listening tools, can I be ensured that his reading is still okay? And I think that's where it comes in. It's probably more people are just not as understanding of what the research says. And and basically, it's simple. The idea is it has to do with your 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 internal fluency and how you hear and how you read inside of your head. And that's the point of audio. One, we all, I think many of us have listened to books on tape and other things, and and it's a it's a really rich resource, especially if you're driving in a car on a trip, or uh, and and it's a great tool uh, just to 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 relax and to enjoy something. Uh, but if you're if you're a young reader, that's actually a really incredible way to have to be read to out loud. If you have actors and actresses reading to you out loud, and the sad state of of our nation is that sixty percent of kids in third grade are not reading on grade level. So if these kids aren't reading on grade level, it's often likely that they haven't been read to. They haven't been nightly read to uh, and had that 20 minutes a day of reading, which is really what is required to be exposed to uh, millions of vocabulary words and, and be at the right level with your peers. And so these listening and rich experiences uh, provide that. Now back to the point about fluency, audio is read at a pace almost half the pace of what you, what is read inside of your head. And so silent reading is a faster, more productive way to read, and it's actually a more intensive way to read. Um, we do read things out loud for clarity for ourselves, sometimes to hear voice, especially, as I mentioned Shakespeare earlier in the podcast here, 
reading Shakespeare it requires a reading out loud because it's hard to understand unless you hear it and understand how the inflection and the tone is read. Uh, and 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 that's true of of of, of our current uh, books as well as uh, age-old books like Shakespeare, uh, stories like Shakespeare and Hamlet. Uh, so so the point being is if you as you become a better reader by listening, you eventually want to turn that audio off because you want to comprehend at a faster, more productive level, and you enjoy it more inside of your head silently. Uh, as you become a better reader, as you become a more fluent reader. And so fluency does relate to the productiveness of your internal reading inside your head, as well as your external reading that you can read out loud. So I know I'm being a little geeky here on the reading speak, but the idea that you could hear a book read fluently gives you an oral understanding of how that pacing, how that intonation, how that tone, how the pausing works, and then that works inside of your head to comprehend actually deeper when you're understanding those patterns inside of your head to take that same pausing and listening um, skill. So it's actually a critical component to reading that many, many programs have left out through the years. So we're really excited to be able to provide it. And it's also fun and it's also relaxing at the same time. I think that's great. And I think too, as well, as you mentioned with, with reading out loud or even sometimes having students read out loud, we find that Otherwise, when reading silently, it's it's very common to gloss over or quickly kind of skip words that you don't know or don't understand or can't even pronounce. But when you read out loud, it's much easier to identify. So, I mean, that's just one example. But I think it's I think it is really critical. So I'm I'm, I, I'm so fascinated by the fact that you've integrated it. and you've also done it in a way with engaging voices and delivery. I think that's so cool. Uh, a quick thing that you mentioned. Uh, a little while ago in the interview, you brought up SAT and ACT, and I wanted to quickly touch on standardized tests and how you feel Mayan prepares, not necessarily for those exams in particular, but any exam, whether it's the IC, the SSAT, so on and so forth. How does Mayan help kids prepare for the reading sections of these tests? Sure. I, I think the, the simple fact for us is Everything is done in an online browser-based environment. It's very simple. Kids don't need uh, a lot of technology. They just need a browser, an iPad, a tablet, a computer, a phone. They need something to get to a browser and Internet, and obviously that's become very, very common now in our country and in, in the world. But in terms of prep, test prep for digital testing hasn't been around that long. And the ability to take a digital test is sometimes a little daunting, and obviously uh, – not necessarily all parts of SAT and ACT have digitized, but many standardized tests and, and other uh, periodic benchmarking tests like NWEA or the ITBS or other programs have gone digital. So for Mayan, we're giving, we're giving short cycle, very structured tests about every two weeks if you're in Mayan. And it's actually kind of fun because you see your results right away. You see your growth. And all of this activity and information is immediately available to you as a student. So you can self-correct. It's just like my golf swing, which is sometimes not so good. I can see where that ball's landing from the, from the swing I make, and I know how to adjust my next swing, hopefully, or not over-adjust. The idea of seeing immediate feedback, having that digital test experience, and beginning the testing experience is for us what has been a precursor to much of the standardized testing that's required 
in states and schools. Now, I personally think there's a bit too much testing going on, so we try to limit that in Mayan. We try to limit it to um, just enough the information you need as an educator and as a student, and then preparing you by the type of examples for those important tests that do happen uh, every year or a couple times a year. Got it. I want to quickly compare and contrast Mayan to two programs that we use in our school. And the two programs are one is called Reading Plus and the other one is called actually it's spelled News L A or News E L A. Some people pronounce it Newzella, some people pronounce it News E L A. Uh, we still don't know the right pronunciation. But what how does how does Mayan compare and contrast with programs like those? Sure, absolutely. Um well, first of all, I, I, I am, as an entrepreneur and someone who's built programs, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with many, many software programs out there. So any of my feedback or my comments here are, um, are, 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 are taken in that stride, that I, I, I really appreciate entrepreneurs that have built programs uh, like Reading Plus and Newzella and Maya. And, and I think all of these, EdTech is growing so fast and so well right now that there's some phenomenal programs to be used out there. But I think what, what first of all, let me touch on Newzella. Um, we actually just launched a, a news program called Mayan News. We were so impressed seeing what students and schools were doing with news, uh, not just through Newzella, but with Time for Kids, with Weekly Reader, now called Scholastic News. This is a 100-year-old concept, but going digital was a really great idea, and several of the companies that have done that have done a really good job. And we decided, why not integrate daily news into Mayan? If, if we're trying to grow readers, why not give them interesting stories to read about at their reading level and integrate it into curricular concepts? So we actually write five articles per day at three different levels and publish that every single day of the week of the weekday. And, uh, and that's year-round, 52 weeks a year. And so we partnered with Newsomatic to build Mayan News, which is now a daily news program. And our differences there are we're not aggregating the news and then just releveling it. We're actually writing the news. So we're authoring content linked to geography, linked then to all the books inside of Mayan. So this is the breakthrough concept that we're not just producing the news for news digestion, and reading, but we're also integrating that with nonfiction books and fiction books in our platform to create a holistic reading and, and literacy experience. Uh, but I love the concept of daily news for kids, and I think Newzella has done a great job uh, getting started, especially for the middle school, high school students. Um, I got, I got um, to say that is super cool. I actually have never heard of that before. Uh, a company just launched it. <laughs> you know, do, writing it yourself and then tying it to everything because... I mean, that again, I mean, you guys are taking on really, really big uh, tasks that almost seem impossible. Like, for example, uh, the, the having the audio added on or this. Um, but it's, it's ideal if you can do it. And I guess you found a way to do it. That's really cool. I should have also mentioned all of our news has audio as well. And every news article is audio in English and in Spanish. So pretty powerful. That's very cool. Okay, and then would- and on to and on to Reading Plus. I, I, you know, I'm impressed with what Reading Plus is able to do with comprehension and really on the structure of making sure that students know how to read the language. And I think 
it's a good companion tool to use with Mayan because you, you, you need to know that students have comprehended and have taken the steps necessary. And with Mayan, you have these unlimited reading opportunities, and you can check to see how their lexiles are doing. And we do have the short cycle uh, assessments at the end of every book. Uh, but I think with Reading Plus, you get that deeper dive into how to do comprehension and how to really drill down into where students are struggling. So it's a good companion to what we're doing. Um, and I've never used Reading Plus, so I don't know it as well, but I do know that many school districts have integrated Maya because we have so many books and so much personalized reading that it's a good way to balance two programs together. Todd, I want to thank you for coming on today. This has been, I mean, this has been fascinating for me just personally. I know that my listeners and parents and everybody out there is going to get great value out of this and teachers and educators, of course, listening as well too. If people want to learn more about Mayan or reach out to the company, how can they do that? Very simple. It's just about.mayan.com, M-Y-O-N. And uh, check out some of our videos, check out some of our stories. And please send us your feedback. And, and thank you. This has been great. And um, uh, uh, congrats on your program. It sounds like, uh, sounds like you've done some great stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. All right. So you guys heard it right there. You can go to About Mayan to check out more about this amazing company. And if you want to check out the show notes, go to www.scaleitlearning.com and you can read the write up there. And I'll put in all the links to the company and you can check out their videos and everything straight from scalarlearning.com. And make sure to tune in every Monday for a new episode from the Scalar Learning Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scale